0: Welcome to March to the Pod presented by Eternal Roofing. We are your consistent source for Sam Houston athletics. We are back, Ben, and in this episode, we're going to talk about all three phases of the Cats American football season, discuss any changes we would like to see during the off season, and just kind of get caught up on the last few weeks uh, as we were away, obviously, unless you just totally forgot about us. Anyway, I'm your host, Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find me on your favorite social media channels, at Corey Hogue Sports. It's all one word, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E, sports. And I'm joined by the creator and manager of Sports of SHSU. Again, all one word. On Twitter and Instagram, the chief operating officer of the Cat Fund. And he's a proud Bearcat alum, Ben Sorrels. Ben? It has been a couple of weeks, I believe. We've missed two episodes, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, that is a little rusty, but we're, we're knocking the rust off.
0: We're a little rusty, and, you know, it was... Uh, of course, we want to apologize for missing the last couple of weeks, but, you know, sometimes life happens and illness happens as well, and uh, some of that affected each member of this uh, podcast within the last couple of weeks. So I, I got to tell you though, Ben, I am so glad to be back and uh, so glad to be doing this again. And I, I tell you, if there's one thing I really missed, it's talking about Taylor Andrus and our friends over at eternal
1: roofing, man. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it. I mean, knocking the rust off with that also. Yeah. Talking about eternal roofing for all your general contracting needs, roofing needs, Um, and everything in between so glad to get back at it and glad to be able to talk about eternal roofing again you know
0: if you've been a scrooge and you've just been like i don't want lights and now all of a sudden you finally listen to someone that was like you need to put up some lights i'd probably give taylor a call pretty quick
1: yeah yeah i mean we were less than three weeks away from christmas now so you got to get on it
0: yeah because they'll put them up for you they'll even take them down see they give you both sides of the service as opposed to my company that
1: would just put them up and then, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. They'll do it for you. Put it up, take them down, everything in between, do it the right way. Um, definitely the place to go if you haven't put them up yet and you're lazy and you haven't done it yet.
0: <laughs> that would probably be me, right? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not naming names. No, we're not, Corey. Um, anyway. uh, <laughs> So, yeah, look roofing that's what we're talking about our friends at eternal roofing christmas lights get them up if you have it yet and if you have anything you need for general contracting or roofing give our friend taylor a ring in montgomery you can call him at area code 936-215-8539 the hill country area code 830-251-5673 and you can email taylor t-a-y-l-o-r at eternal roofing com. we are definitely Rusty, Ben, and another thing we are is a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on various social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at March to the Pod. That's all one word. March, the number two, the pod. And a special hello to those watching us on the Dave Campbell's YouTube page. Ben, I feel like the last couple of weeks we missed a whole lot of good stuff that we could have talked about with the football team and that we're going to start by kind of recapping those last two games a little bit.
1: Yeah, and uh, last two games, so you're looking at Western Kentucky, which was uh, another nail-biter loss. I think it was the third loss at the goal line, but won't we'll spend too much time on that one. Let's spend some more time on Middle Tennessee – and finishing the year on a really good note with a 23-20 to 20 win there, wrapping up the season and uh, winning three out, of, three out of your last four, which was really good. Yes, and,
0: you know, that's the thing. I I, I feel like that momentum that they had there at the end of the season, it, it's, it could be game-changing for the offseason for this program because now they go in feeling good about themselves. And the one loss in the last four – is Western Kentucky. That's not a a game any of us put them up for to begin the year. So, you know, and they lost that one on the goal line. So what we saw, the improvement we saw the last four weeks was crucial for the program and crucial also for the fan base to go, you know what? Okay,
1: there is some hope there. Exactly. It it really hits on a lot of different areas, and it's something you can hang your hat on going to next year. You've shown you can play at this level. You've shown you can win at this level. You have momentum going into next year. It's something you can kind of push in recruiting, um, which I know we'll get into a little bit later. It's something you can talk on in the transfer portal, not just show that you were close in games, but you won games at this level. So um, it's really a big momentum boost going into next year, um, returning a lot of people. Um, at the moment, which is a really good sign, but it's also really good that you can carry over this momentum because you went in maybe 1-11. Uh, even though you did return a lot of guys, you weren't feeling great about yourself. But, man, it, it feels good to win, and to end the year on a win, um, I think that's even better. So
0: It is. And thinking back, and and I, I don't remember if I mentioned that that, um, that Kennesaw win could spark something. I don't know if I rem- if I mentioned that back then, but that last drive and how they went down and they overcame all of the demons they'd been facing all year long, right? Like they had been at so close and finding ways to lose and inventing ways to lose at times. They invented a way to win. They remembered it. And once they tasted that, it was, look, winning can change things and, and learning how to win is a real thing. And once they learned it, they got that momentum and they just kept building it and they kept it all the way through the end of the season. And it all starts with that one drive. And I also think part of that is because it ended with a guy getting a full ride scholarship.
1: Yeah, that was cool. Seeing Colby Sessoms get a full ride scholarship and man, he had one heck of a year. Um, Just really, I mean, a kicker spot was a, a question um, coming into this year, but I don't think there's any questions going forward. You've got them for three more years, and that's really big. And, yeah, we both talked about how that Kennesaw game could kind of propel you. And last three games, I mean, really came down to one drive, and in two out of the three, you found a way to make a winning play. Louisiana Tech um, is down by a possession late in the fourth. Uh, you get a pick six and win that game. Uh, couldn't figure it out there at the goal line against Western Kentucky. Uh, but then you came back and made a defensive stand. Um, kept them just enough out of field goal range to beat Middle Tennessee. So um, found a way to win against Kennesaw, and it kind of translated to those last few weeks. Yeah,
0: I mean, you found a way to just keep them just out of range of the kicker, and start a nice little melee to get yourself on Sports Center as well. At the end of season that that's a lot of positive, Ben.
1: It, I mean, what do they say? Any publicity is good publicity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess the Bearcats got some publicity out of this because that was all over ESPN.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it was interesting, that's for sure. I I definitely think, and I think we all know, Sam Houston kind of instigated it, and then Middle Tennessee kind of took it a couple notches. One of their players even got into the stands um, after the camera cut, so yeah it was a little wild definitely was on our end that it got started but i think middle tennessee kind of escalated it from there and that's all i'll have to say about it
0: oh but it's not and you <laughs> want to know why that's not all you're gonna say about it ben because i'm here and i'm not gonna let that happen because how much hate do we have for them now are they the blue raiders isn't that what they are
1: Yeah, and it's funny you say that. I think I tweeted after the game. um, Maybe Sam Houston found its rival? Question mark. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who's Middle
0: Tennessee's rival.
1: Oh gosh, I I'm sure they have one, but I'm not too sure. sure. Yeah, but Sam Houston Bearcats. That's who (laughs)
0: because you know next year Sam Houston's got to travel there, likely.
1: Well, actually, and this is. Not necessarily breaking news, but I've heard next year's schedule isn't going to be a home-for-home swap directly because you add Kennesaw in, um, so you go from nine teams to ten teams. So probably going to go there, but wouldn't say that's for sure. Not that that's really breaking news, but um, definitely something to look out for for next year's schedule.
0: Either way, though, that means next year's game, if they play Middle Tennessee, you know, it's going to be – it's – there, I don't know if the, how much of this will be remembered, though. That's the thing, Ben. That that's what would make it a rivalry is how much gets remembered.
1: And I don't know how much they'll remember it because they've already had what twenty five guys hit the portal. I don't know if they'll have any players left from the year's team by the time next year rolls around.
0: Maybe they they hit the portal. They're like, man, you didn't come to my defense. Get, I'm I'm out.
1: We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see where the games played and how many players remember it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and a lot of times, let's face it, rivalries are made by the fans, not the players. The players on the field just kind of help us get it going. But I'm not sure the fan bases have interacted as much since either.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. There's really, I mean, FIU's got a couple good podcasts and and, and beat writers. Liberty's got a big fan base. Jacksonville State's got a nice fan base. Uh, UTEP and New Mexico State, we've interacted with them some, but, Really haven't seen a lot from Middle Tennessee. Like I don't even, I can't really think of any that I've, I've interacted with on on Twitter or X or seen other people interact with. So um, I don't know. Can it be a rivalry if they have no fans? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I keep they... throwing the look. I keep taking shots at them. I'm taking sorry. all kinds
0: of pot shots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else we missed over the last couple of weeks?
1: Um, yeah, transfer portal is officially open. Um, We'll get into this a little bit more in the final segment, have a couple names that have entered, but really the only one of note so far is Donovan Adkins, who saw a considerable amount of time there in the secondary was a pretty good player for us. He had the pump block against SFA last year to kind of swing that game. So uh, best of luck luck on him uh, for him where he's going next. But yeah, that's really the only uh, notable thing that's happened since the end of the year.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get into uh, to that portal and stuff. But what about uh, on the basketball court? I know that's been going. How have the, the men's and women's teams been been handling business?
1: Yeah, women actually play at Texas Tech tonight, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how they do. Got a, a win against Florida A&M a couple days ago, moved to 4-2 on the year. Uh, men are 5-4, and four, coming off probably their best performance of the game, just kind of slapping Lamar around. It was up about 30, 40 points the entire game. Um, they're five and four, starting to get healthy. We've seen uh, Dumbia, Suleiman Dumbia, and Cam Hoofner come back. Um, Kian Scroggins did miss this last game, and he's been averaging almost a double double the past couple of weeks. Um, so starting to get healthy. Um, they go to Missouri State Saturday, which is going to be a good road test, and then they come back and play ULM this uh, next week on Tuesday night. So I think the team's heading in the right direction, and uh, yeah, both teams are doing pretty well.
0: Awesome. That is good news. So with that in mind, let's get back over to the American football side of things and talk about that cat's offense. And you know what, man, I'm just going to give a, I'm going to give a broad statement and then you could tell me how accurate I am about this. This is an offense that started the season, not very good and got gradually better throughout and then remarkably better out the last five or
1: six weeks. I think that's a really fair statement. We kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago too. why it was such a slow start. But I think when you look at the offense as a whole, extremely disappointing to start the year, but I think they ended on a really strong note, especially considering how many injuries they had. I mean, last game of the season didn't have both your starting tackles, both your two starting tight ends, um, had barely one of your top four or five running backs healthy um had a couple of receivers out so to see the progress they made and what they were able to do and kind of adapt throughout the year was really encouraging and i think it's a really good thing you can lean on going into next year
0: yeah after the New mexico state game they scored at least 20 points at, yeah 20 games
1: yeah 27 34 24 42 23 23 so you're averaging upper 20s, mid-20s a game, which is, it's not incredible, but it's right about average, probably.
0: Yeah, Well, with a good defense, that will get you quite a few wins. And as you've seen, you know, the 42, 24, 23, when they score, well, when they can score in the 20s, they're at least a lot closer to having a chance to win.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and when they start fast, too, I mean, in those games they've won, they came out and moved the ball and scored early, which I think was a big thing. When they played from behind this year, I think they got a little ahead of themselves and tried to throw it a little too much. It wasn't a great running team, but when they could mix in the run, that's when they were really effective and could move the ball. So those last couple of weeks, really the last month of the season, they were able to score early. And I think that was also a big reason why they were able to kind of find a groove there towards the end.
0: Yeah. it that, yeah, that makes sense. And I was just kind of looking ahead at next year's non-conference schedule on the website. And, you know, one of the things about this season, they had to take who they could get. They took a BYU. They, they got an air force. They took a Houston, right? That's a, that's a hard way to go. They, they did have a Kennesaw in there, uh, but Kennesaw is also transitioning. They're kind of in the same, same phase. So That's really a lot more even. Looking ahead to next year, it is better. There's not as many Power 5 programs on there. There is one. Uh, But it won't be easy next year during their non-conference either.
1: Yeah, I think it's easier than this year. I don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, we've seen what Texas State did this year, the kind of turnaround they had. Rice had a pretty good year. Um, UCF is no slouch so um yeah it's not gonna be easy but it was definitely I think it'll be easier than this year um looking at uh Corey who's your MVP of the offense this year do you have anyone that stands out or any names that that come to mind with thinking of this year's offense yeah there's
0: only one I could think of man that's Keegan that guy that that guy took so much heat has taken so much heat for a few years. Like, I've heard a lot. I've, I've read, guys, I read, right? Like, I see what you're saying about Keegan. And that guy doesn't care. It's almost like he's not even hearing you anymore because all he does is go out there and lead that offense. And the way he progressed and the way he improved this year, it really showed. And then he he – he's not the reason that they didn't win some of those games earlier in the season either, especially those conference games. Those weren't all on uh, Keegan at that time.
1: Right. And I think Keegan, I'm glad you brought up Keegan, because I was going to take the easy route and go Noah Smith, which I'm (laughs) sure we'll get into here in a minute, but I'm glad you brought up Keegan and we kind of uh, talked about him more towards the end um, of the season, but, was a guy that kept you in every game? Was was he a guy that was going to set the world on fire and go win games single-handedly? No, but he kept you in a lot of games, and he won you some games over the last month as the team started to figure it out. So um, just really proud of him, the development that he showed and uh, the progression that he showed, I think, is something that's admirable. It took a lot of heat. But at the end of the day, he showed up, performed well, didn't have a lot of weapons around him, especially at the end of the year, but he still found a way to get it done.
0: Yeah, and look, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, right? You don't have to be Tom Brady to or Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl. You can win a Super Bowl if you've got a guy who knows how to manage the offense. They do call it a game manager. I don't necessarily like that word, but I, I also think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it gets a bad rap. I think being a game manager is the kind of quarterback a lot of coaches would rather have a lot of the times because you at least are getting that consistency. And that's what I, I've seen from Keegan is as he got better, then he started getting that consistency. And that's going to be the key for him.
1: Yeah, and, and that was the key. I mean, he had a great career here. I mean, in just his kind of final stats, he had 16 total touchdowns, 63% completion percentage this year, 2,500 yards. Um, 11 11 interceptions, which was a little high. That was probably the biggest knock on him. Uh, Turned the ball over a little too much. But, I mean, 16 touchdowns, 63% completion. Um, I think he did well. He did just enough. And, um, yeah, we'll see what the quarterback situation looks like going into next year. Okay, so now let's talk about that running back
0: room, right? And what – With that running back room, we're gonna have to caveat this into also the offensive line because they've got to get better run blocking as well. But they only ran the ball last year at for one thousand sixty six yards total. That that's just not good. But as we've talked about before, they had so many injuries. John Gentry had one hundred and nineteen carries. He was there. He was he got he's the guy that saw the most action. And he averaged 11.9 carries per game. Just injuries devastated this room. I, I, my thing is, I'm just not sure it's going to be a whole lot better next year.
1: I See, I disagree there. I think when you bring back John Gentry, Zach Urbacic, um, Tobias Weaver, Adrian Murdoch, um, you've got two, Coco Brown, the one game he played, I think he had 50 yards at Liberty. And I think he also played a little bit against Jacksonville State. Um, I think you've got four backs that you could really depend on. I think what it comes down to is the offensive line going to be able to run block. Um, I think that's the biggest question because I think you have enough talent, especially at the top end with Krabacic and Gentry for next year.
0: They they averaged 2.9 yards per rush.
1: Yeah, it's it wasn't good. It, it got better, but it was not good as a whole no that that's not good
0: at all that that's not going to win you a lot of games but the offensive line i think this they, we talk about the offensive line a little bit so let's let's dive into that just a little bit deeper they started off that season uh not doing anything well uh and then keeler said look you, we've got to do something right and yeah. they they chose the pass block which is their strength and that became their strength and they used that uh and then really modified their game plan to it that okay that's this year that's not going to work moving forward if you want to win football games
1: yeah and all five starters and really your your top two backups are are coming back next year so hopefully you see some progression but I think they started to figure some stuff out I think putting Orion Irving in at tackle uh, I think he looked really good he's a redshirt freshman I think he changed a lot Um, I think Diari Patton coming back in at right tackle um I think he looked pretty good um so I think you kind of shuffled some pieces I thought Grayson Jackson Smith at left tackle started to look better towards the end of the year before he got hurt um so I think they started to develop and you return pretty much everybody only guy you really lose is William McCollum um and I don't even know if you lose it you bring back a lot is what I'm trying to say so I think the group developed I think the biggest thing is are they going to be able to run block next year because they have to run block better well
0: there's another part that i think is even more important than the run blocking and when you tell me all of them are returning and i start remembering pre snap penalties and i start remembering personal foul penalties and these things that are killers they're they're drive killers which means they're team killers cuz they kill your record right and they they did the reason why they
1: didn't win some games is the offensive lines penalties that cannot happen moving forward it was penalties and it was kind of the undisciplined nature. So William McCollum is coming back. Just wanted to check myself there. But yeah, I remember that Jacksonville State game and the FIU game. I think there were some uh, some bad penalties after the play. So really young group. I think how they develop going into next year is going to be really, really important and one of the key success, success factors for this offense. But overall, I think they did really well pass blocking. A lot to be desired in the run blocking. And I think you started to figure some things out, shuffling some pieces around there at the end of the year.
0: They need some, uh, there needs to be some talk about the mental side of the game too, about staying composed because look, it's hard in football. I do understand that this is a very aggressive game. We're asking you to hit people and then we're asking you to not hit people, (laughs) right? But you just, you've got to know that line that you walk. Um, I kind of relate it to the line as to where I can joke with my wife and where I need to cut it off before I get divorced, you know, like right up at that line. I like to walk it, but I I don't go past that because I don't want the bad thing to happen. They've got to learn how to get to that line with aggression and then back it off.
1: Yeah, and I think they started to learn towards the end of the year. Didn't really see a lot of it there at the end, so hopefully they've learned, but, um, yeah, definitely something they need to continue to, to work on, and maybe the, the team needs to work on. We saw what happened there with Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, and I probably
0: shouldn't get so close to that line with my wife, but I'm going to keep doing it. So Yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, well, come on, Corey. I am who I am, and I cannot <laughs> change. Yes. That's <laughs> just
1: who I am. Got to take it or
0: leave it. <laughs> That's right. Talking about the receivers room, Noah Smith, by far the standout, and you mentioned him as an MVP, and I think – In reality, he probably is, but a lot of him getting going dealt with Keegan getting him the ball in the right spots, and the coaching staff, to develop things for him a little better.
1: Yeah, I I think it was a little bit of everything. Figuring out how to use a weapon like him was a big part of it, Um, and I think he kind of figured out how he could fit himself within the offense as well, but man, he had an incredible year. I'm trying to pull his numbers up here, but he
0: ranked top (laughs) He had 783 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged 9.9 9 yards per carry and 65 yards per game.
1: Yeah. And he, he did it on the ground. He did it through the air. Um, Did it really a bunch of different ways. And he was top 50 nationally in receptions, top 50 nationally in receiving touchdowns. Was just outside of the top 50 in receiving yards. So, Really just an incredible year for him. And he didn't really even play the final game of the year, dealing with a a sprain, an ankle sprain. So um, really did it in 11, 11 and a quarter games. So uh, just yeah, a really he, incredible season for him.
0: The numbers I read were his receiving rushing. He had 102 yards, two touchdowns on 27 carries. So those are touches, right? Like I, you, you go, oh, only 27 carries. Noah Smith is not a running back though yeah. smith is a wide receiver it's like cd lamb of the cowboys you're not going to give him the ball 20 times they're called there's only a minimum amount of touches that's a way they figured out to get him a couple more
1: right and i think another reason why he's my mvp for this year is the best ability is availability i mean out of all your top skill guys for gentry Uh, Humphreys, Adai, and him. He was the only one that stayed healthy the entire season. So, um, man, just props to him. An incredible year. A lot of touches. I think over 100 total for the season. So, I know that 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 tallies up. So, took a lot of hits. Made some big plays for us. And, uh, yeah, really had an incredible season. Yes, he did. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) he's also a very good player, not just because everyone else got injured. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I just, I, I heard what you said. And I just kind of started giggling to myself.
1: Best, hey, This season for us, the best ability was availability. I mean, everybody, he was the only guy left really. You're the points. MVP
0: for being healthy. Thank you. <laughs>
1: that was part of it. Not all of it. He's incredible too.
0: He is. He is. Anyway, we move over to the defense now and, um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there's only one man that can be MVP on that defense. And he's the man who we said coming in was going to have, that was going to have a big year, needed to have a big year. And man watching number one has been fun. He finishes the year with 135 tackles, 85 solo, 85 solo tackles, eight and a half for loss, one and a half sacks two interceptions five quarterback hurries and a forced fumble man number one it was fun to watch
1: and i think i mean honestly when you think of the history of sam houston i mean he might be at the top of the best defensive players we've seen at this school man it's been fun to get to know him personally um on a personal level the past few years i met him in a class my senior year which was pretty cool and i've have known him ever since, but also to see him on the field, man. I mean, these past six years, captain for four years and seventh nationally and total tackles first nationally and uh, solo tackles. I mean, even the Middle Tennessee game, um, giving us the lead with a pick six there in the second half. I mean, you can't ask for, ask for a better guy off the field, on the field. And um, what a career it was for Trevor and what a season it was also.
0: Yes, no, it was great, and it was fun watching Trevor for for all these years and covering him was was certainly fun, but, you know, he he leaves. They probably put him down as a linebacker, Um, but he does leave a hole in the defense. But right behind him is a junior that's not bad himself. KV on Gaither had a really good almost in a way a breakout year for for him
1: yeah and it's crazy to even call it a breakout year but it kind of was especially because Trevor got so much spotlight and KG was the defensive player of the year in the black last year but he still kind of flew under the radar yeah um but yeah I think he's going to be the guy to look for next year to kind of captain the, the front seven of the defense and another name to watch out for is KV on Gaither actually went down in the middle Tennessee game in the first middle Tennessee game in the first class and half wow can't speak went down in the first half and uh, a guy that really stepped up that the team is very high on and I've really liked ever since we got him last year is Sincere Jackson Um, this last game was the first time he really played a lot and he had 13 tackles tackle for loss um, and and a sack so I think KG and Sincere are going to be the two guys to really watch out for next year at linebacker and I think you're still in really good hands with those two guys
0: yeah, Sincere Jackson, he, his name was was well known uh, coming out of the City College of San Francisco. He was a three-star prospect in high school, but he was the number eight Juco linebacker in the country. The guy is just, he's been good. He's been on good teams. He knows how to make those plays, and that's what he does, man.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And last season he uh he didn't play a lot either due to injury, but was really good. And he had six tackles in the AM game, the one game he played. So uh kind of got blocked by some guys in front of him, especially with kind of the three three five kind of hybrid four two five look the defense gives. Um, but man, he is uh he's definitely a name to watch next year alongside Isaiah Nixon and uh Cavion Gaither at the linebacker spot.
0: And you're going to need them because not only are you without your number one, Trevor Williams, you're without your number 33 that you watched for a while, too, Martel Perry. Uh, you're going to need those linebackers to step up and take on a bigger role.
1: Right, yeah, and Markel uh, kind of started slow this year with the, with the injury, uh, missed a game, but, man, he came on really strong, had a great final game of the year, really a great final month. He looked like himself again, which was just awesome to see. And I think Isaiah Nixon is going to be the guy to watch for to kind of fill his role. So I think Isaiah did a good job of it this year. You can't completely replace Markell, but I think you can get close to it with Isaiah. So excited to see what he can do for this next year.
0: Yeah, Isaiah Nixon is uh, one of these guys. He's a junior out of Fort Bend Elkins High School, but they got him as a transfer from Texas State. And he comes in and he's got 25 tackles, five and a half for loss, five sacks on the gear uh broke up a pass forced a fumble hurried to quarterback I, I think you're right he's one of those guys along with you mentioned sincere jackson this year he had you know 29 tackles two for a loss some quarterback hurries forced fumbles they're gonna it, it's linebacker may still be the strength of this defense next year
1: Right. And another name to watch out for that really only saw time on special teams, but was a massive piece on special teams and led you in tackles was Trey Field. So he's another name that could step in and uh, and see some time. He had 18 tackles this year. Um, and a fun fact about Isaiah Nixon, his dad actually played for San Houston back in the 90s. So um, a legacy Bearcat. So cool to see him have a good year. And he actually played some running back the final few weeks also, which was something to see nice nice so okay
0: that's the linebackers we got to go up to the defensive line and and here's where i start to get a little sad to have to say goodbye to meatball (laughs) i meatball i never met you but i love you man and uh it was a it was so much fun to see number zero just wreck people out
1: there on defense it was and did you see what he did in the final game of the year no i didn't he uh there was a tip ball and he came he sprinted about four yards and came up with the interception and sprinted to the end zone and took all the pictures in the world. So it was cool to see meatball get a pick in his final college game. That
0: that is so
1: wonderful. It was was cool.
0: That is, that is awesome. It it was fun, but you know, meatball took up our headlines at least. I don't know if he did for uh, the fans, but give us a rundown of the defensive line, you know, what they did and then kind of what you see for next year.
1: Right. I think the defensive line was really good this year. Um, stopped the run really well. Um, and I think they just lived up to the expectations that we had. Uh, you lose a lot up the middle, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest hole on your defense going into next year. You lose Meatball, you lose Chris Scott, um, and they were your two guys up the middle and both played extremely well. But I think on the edge, you're still looking good. I mean, Seth Mason um, had a pretty good year coming in from ULM. Jaden Phillips from New Mexico showed some good stuff. Bryson Hayes, the Huntsville High School product, looked pretty good. Chris Murray in his second year with the team showed some good stuff. And then, I mean, Javon Leon was awesome. So, I mean, you've got probably four, five, six edge rushers you can depend on going into next year. You just got to figure out what you're going to do up the middle there on the D-line. Well, and that's that's the most important part,
0: right? Like, if you don't have another meatball in there to take up a couple of blocks your your edge guys can't get to the quarterback because they're going to double team them that's a portal thing that's somewhere you can't go high school route and fill in your d-line in the middle you've got to go portal
1: you do and i i'm pretty sure and i know that's a priority for the team and it was this last year with getting meatball just to sure up the inside and it's going to have to be again but yeah, like what's on the edge. I think you're good there, but it's got to be a big priority to figure out what you're doing there up the middle, especially if you're running that 3-3-5 front, which they do a lot.
0: If I remember correctly, it was a young defensive
1: backfield this year. It was. It was. It was very young, and they do return a lot from... Uh, they're scheduled to return a lot from, from this last year's team. How many do you think might hit the portal? I mean, it's hard to tell. I... I Adkins hit the portal already. A couple of guys transferred in um, uh, last year from from Kilgore at the JUCO level. I think they're going to stick and want to stay around. You've also got um, a lot of freshmen, true freshmen that didn't see a ton of time this year that I think are going to be thrust into some bigger roles this year. So I don't know how many will. You've already seen one do it. it. It's just so hard to tell. But I think even if you lose maybe one more, you're still in a probably – you're still probably in a pretty good spot going into next year.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm looking at the guys who led in breakups this year, breaking up passes and things, and, and they're all, they all could come back and we're looking at the Carrick Hobbs. Uh, is that Devon Armstead? Is that how you yeah, say Yeah, Davion? Davion. Yep. Okay. Caleb Weaver, DeMarcus Crosby, the second. Yep. These guys, they could all come back. I I don't think you I don't I don't remember hearing one of their names in there.
1: Yeah. So are you talking about the portal? Yeah. Yeah. It's really. Adkins has been the only guy that the team has lost that's been notable to the portal so far. Obviously, things can change. It's very early, but at this point, that's all you've really lost. And um, just to hit on a couple of the names you talked about, Davion Armstead, I think maybe was our top corner up until he got hurt. I mean, he looked awesome. Um, I think David Fisher had a really good year at corner. Um, Dakiric Hobbs was a first-team all-conference selection, which was really cool to see. Um, and then you've got other guys like Chanston Prox. He was a, a all-freshman team for Conference USA. Demarcus Crosby. Um, uh, Crosby was first-team all-conference, mix that up. But Crosby, Hobbs. And then you've got some, some young guys coming in. I mean, um, Jamari Wiggins is like your highest-rated recruit of all time he was a true freshman this last year I mentioned Prox he was super young Elias Escobar showed some good stuff Kayla Weaver looked really good so I think you've got seven or eight guys back there you can depend on they were really young and I think they might be the strength of the defense going into next year
0: well, that, you know, you, I, I never want my defensive backcourt to be the strength of my defense. I want my strength to be D-line and linebackers, my front seven. That's that's where I want it, and that's what concerns me right now and what I'm going to look for in the offseason uh, from the defensive perspective is how they fill that defensive line hole. We talk, uh, this team, we've gone through a number of players, and there's skill players that were hurt that maybe they'll get back next year. Uh, they'll be able you know, skill players you can go grab in the portal and stuff at times too. My concern is always on that offense and defensive line. You gotta, you know, I, I'm sure if there's an offensive lineman that they can get, that would be an upgrade. They're going to go try to get them. Uh, but, you know, that's where I think the focus for this team needs to be right now is really that line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah. And, and speaking of that line of scrimmage um, I know one of the team's top priorities. And even if you just look at who they've been offering um, on Twitter slash X these these past couple it days, been a ton of tight ends. So going into next year, um, a team that likes to run, run a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends, you've only got two tight ends that have any experience. Um, you've got Thomas Jewett and Elijah Soane and behind that it's going to be the two freshmen you're bringing in. So yeah, um, speaking of the line of scrimmage, I mean, look for us to add one, possibly two ready to go tight ends um, for this next year. And I know that's a really big priority also,
0: you know, and that that's one of the reasons why their pass protection is so good is because they do have the 12 personnel a lot. So you do have it a lot of times, at least one of them stays in it and adds an extra blocker.
1: Right. And I think they did a really good job at it. Jack Sherrard is huge. Thomas Jewett is really big. Elijah. So they're all really big tight ends and they showed well in blocking and they also showed some re- really good stuff in receiving as well. You lose Sherrard, but bring back two good pieces in Jewett and Soane. But like we've seen, you've got to have depth. And at this moment, the only depth we have at tight end for next year are going to be two true freshmen. So you've got to add at least one, maybe two guys there. Well, we can't leave out all of the
0: specialists. Good Lord, we got to talk about our punter too. Jadon Cart? is it Cardell or Cardell? Yeah, Jaden Cardell. Cardell. Yeah, He averaged 41 and a quarter yards per punt, seven touchbacks, 20 inside, and 10 for over 50, and uh, he's a
1: redshirt sophomore.
0: That That's good. I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I, I think he got the job done. Um, I think he's got to maybe improve a little bit more, uh, maybe pinning the other team down um, inside the 20, inside the 10, inside the 5, but um, I think he's continued to develop he's not going to be one of the top 20, 30, 40 punters in the country, but he's going to be a guy that gets it done. Um, and I think that's all you can really ask for at this level. I mean, 41 yards a punt isn't bad, and you'll definitely take that for the next two years that you have him.
0: You you might He might need to work on a little bit of height
1: is yeah. one of the things I see,
0: because that uh, he had 20 of 75 punts inside the 20. Okay, but only 22 fair catches.
1: Yeah, and that is, and- that is a good point. I didn't even think about that.
0: He really, that a lot of times that's getting it high enough that it gives your coverage team time to get down there and, uh, and make the, you know, surround them and keep them right there, hemmed in.
1: He certainly got a lot of work in, especially the first month of the season. That <laughs> is for sure. He was swinging that leg quite often.
0: Well, so was Colby Sesums, and we talked about him earlier. Uh, boy, he, he will, we'll mention him again, along a 53. He was two or three from, from 50 plus one of three from 40 to 49. But when he got inside there, he was eight for eight inside 40. And sometimes those 20 to 29 yarders are more as difficult as the 50 plus yarders because of the angle that they still have you kicking from in college.
1: Uh, yeah. At, at In college, the at 40 and under that's where you got to be bread and butter. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of kickers in college that are going to be very dependable from 40 plus. I think he was what? three for six from 40 plus but yeah when it came from inside the 40 he was nails missed one extra point the entire year and it was a uh, kind of a fumbled snap that I don't think the late I think the laces might have been out but wasn't a very good hold and snaps so I can't really blame him there but um, yeah I mean he had an incredible year got put on scholarship after the Kennesaw game and having a kicker is something that you need to have and so having him for the next three years is something that's really good um, that you don't have to worry about.
0: Well, it is. So, you know what else is really good? The cat fund is
1: really good. Tell us
0: some, some things, man, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. We got to catch up. What's going on with the cat fund?
1: Exciting times. Yeah. I know we've talked a lot about basketball and our deals with nine players have officially started. Um, Some people have probably seen some social media posts from some of those guys, but yeah, officially started with nine players and those deals are going to run here for the next couple of months throughout the season. little bit after the season also um so yeah really exciting time make sure you sign up today um obviously uh got a big push here with football uh, season done and we got another one coming up so uh, cat-fun.com is definitely the place to go a lot of good stuff there you get a lot of cool member perks um you get to support these athletes and support these players which is the biggest thing
0: so christmas time and if you support the cat fund and you get one of these member perks that could be a gift if you're not necessarily wanting it
1: yes yeah you never know i mean especially if you pay uh the annual rate instead of the the monthly rate you'll get that stuff a little quicker and i'm shipping some more footballs out here this week so um those might show up here in the next week or two so yeah definitely could could get some cool stuff for christmas
0: oh you've got christmas gifts you didn't even think about that did you
1: I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to play Santa Claus and uh, give some gifts to some Bearcats (laughs) fans. Well, you know who else is
0: ready to play Santa Claus? Taylor Andrus over at Eternal Roofing. And he can be your Santa Claus because he can climb up there and tell you if your roof is good or bad. Is your
1: roof on the naughty or nice list, Ben Soros? Uh, I think it's on the, I think it's on the nice list thanks to my apartment. And I hope it stays that way. But if it doesn't, I know who I know who they should call.
0: You should probably tell them to get a hold of Taylor at Eternal Roofing and, and anybody at Eternal Roofing because that's the place that's going to repair your roof commercial or residential. They offer free detailed roof inspections. They're going to give you fast fast service, no high pressure sales pitches. Look, home outdoors, we talk roof, they are Eternal Roofing that obviously is the focus. Indoors too, they can do your crown molding, they can do gutters, garage doors, anything you need done around the outside of your house, they're the ones to call. Give them a call today, you can get a hold of Eternal Roofing in the Hill Country at area code 830-251-5673. In the Montgomery County area, area code 936-215-8539 and if you want to get them by email taylor t a y l o r eternalroofing.tx.com and when you when you do that also put into your browser eternalroofing.tx.com go look at their website and they have, they have a gallery that they like to update of all the different houses and different things they've done it is exceptional work you will not be disappointed in there in, in the quality of work that you get from
1: from our friends at eternal roofing yeah, definitely the place to go in a Bearcat-owned business as well. If you haven't been with us for a while. That is uh, another perk of working with the work and doing it the right way. Um, great company and a Bearcat company. Got to be a Bearcat
0: company, right? We ain't letting no Blue Raiders come in here for mm-hmm. anything. Man, and speaking of Blue Raiders,
1: they just hired their next head coach. They're uh, Derek Mason is their next head coach. Oh yeah. Well, look Who at cares that. about them?
0: <laughs> well, the first thing he's got to do is figure out what, what that fight was about, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll take a while to sort out if they have any players that are left from that fight. Oh, yeah, those <laughs> those things get swept under the rug, man. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, okay, for instance, and now we're just train off tracks right here, Ben. So a couple years ago, Armed Forces Bowl, it was Mississippi State... And Tulsa, I
1: think that's right.
0: And I was, I was there. I help, I helped keep stats for uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. And after that game was over, that fight that broke out on that sideline, and what ensued was something I've never seen in. Uh, at that point, I'd never seen in football before. I saw it in high school another year later, uh, but at that time, <laughs> to that point, I've not seen that kind of a fight. Uh, And out of that, Tulsa had some guys get suspended for one game the next year, and nothing happened to anyone from Mississippi State.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, in this instance, I know Sam Houston discipline was handled internally um, for Middle Tennessee. I'm not too sure. But, yeah, when it comes to Sam Houston, discipline was handled internally for for that skirmish. That's usually how
0: that's going to work, too. Yeah. Well, we're going to get back on the train tracks and talk about what – you want to see from the Bearcats this off season for for the football program, the American Man. football program. My bad.
1: Yeah, it's Christmas and the giving season and the gift season, so um, I guess I can make a wish list for um, for for the Bearcats for this next year. So first one, um, I know we've offered a couple of really talented JUCO quarterbacks, um, so I I think we've got between Xavier Ward and Great Ginnell. You probably have your guy there, but I would love to see and you got DJ Bailey coming in. Silas Gomez there as well. But I would love to see us add at least one quarterback in the transfer portal just to be able to give us uh another option. I think it's another another year where it's gonna someone's gonna have to win it in camp. I think Grant Gunnell's probably the leader there. Um, but bring in one outside guy that fits your system really well. Um, and Cam Peters, the Kilgore quarterback, fits the system well, was on a visit. Uh, two weeks ago, now for the for the Middle Tennessee game, so he could be your guy, but would like to see us uh, maybe bring in one quarterback just to bring in another guy to to compete for the starting job.
0: How much do you know about uh that gentleman from
1: Kilgore? Yeah, man, he's talented. Was player of the year um, in their conference at, at Kilgore. Uh, another guy that was on the visit was Michael Phoenix, wide receiver. He was also he also got some accolades in conference. So. Yeah, fits the system really well. Uh, fits our offense really well. Was Super talented. I think he threw 26 touchdowns and five interceptions, something like that this last year. So I think he's a, and he, he played at uh, UTSA for a couple of years. Didn't really see the field a lot. But um, I think he's a guy that if you bring him in, I'm not going to say he's going to win the job, but he's a guy that can push others and might be able to. He's a guy that
0: was the missing piece of a Kilgore team that just made an appearance in the national semifinals. Uh, before they lost on the road to Iowa Western on Sunday. This, you know, when I talked to their coach, uh, Willie Gooden, uh, in the preseason, I said, man, all you need is a quarterback. He goes, I hope I have one now. <laughs> well, he did. And the fact that that guy could come in, are you, you know, a quarterback away at, at Sam Houston? I don't know that you're a quarterback away, because I think Keegan was solid enough. Uh, but, You need someone who can at least be at the level that Keegan was when he departed or else you're taking a step backwards.
1: Yeah. And I I think Grant can definitely play at his level. Grant Gannell. But I mean, you've got to bring in options. You've got to bring in depth. Um, You don't know exactly what you're going to get from Xavier Ward. DJ Bailey's a freshman. Haven't seen any of Silas Gomez. And so if you bring in a guy that's played um, and played at a high level, um, at the college level. I think that's something you need. Don't necessarily think we need to go out and grab a starter. I think we've still got some good pieces there, but I think it would be really good if a guy like Cam Peters were to commit for us.
0: I also think it's important that uh, this is where, and this is one of the few times in this podcast where my experience actually can be helpful uh, as the non-FBS guy for Dave Campbell's. Uh, Let me, let me put it this way. I'll make it as easy as possible. I watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of football at a lot of levels. Obviously, the NFL—that's a level above. FBS—that's that's a really that's below the NFL, but it, it's right there. After that is good JUCO football. If you are talking top five, top ten in the country in foot, those JUCO teams you put them in the FCS and they're going to do damage. And those are freshmen and sophomores we're talking about here on these teams. I mean, these guys, the level of football, the level of talent at these places is tremendous. And the fact that, you know, you've got a team that just made the national semifinals. They were ranked number three in the country, went to Iowa Western. I, on that field Sunday, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and project probably 10 of those guys combined from the two teams will be in the NFL soon within the yeah, next, I mean, like, three or four years.
1: And just to kind of give it reference, too, you picked up two killboard DBs from last year. Um Dakiric Hobbs had 38 tackles, and Demarcus Crosby, the other one, was a first-team all-conference player. So um you can definitely pull from the JUCO level. And Malik Phillips, a, a wide receiver that, played well for us this last year, played at New Mexico military. He had a really nice year. So the, the three Juco guys that you went out and grabbed all performed at a really high level and started for you pretty much.
0: And you mentioned Phoenix was in on a, on a visit too. Yeah, and I, Phoenix I will and uh, uh coming out tomorrow morning. Well, coming out today, I guess, because we're releasing this podcast on a Wednesday and we're recording on a Tuesday night coming out today as, as you're listening has been released the all Texas non-FBS team, try you know it, it's changed a few times. It's hard to remember all the things. It is. It's the All Texas non-FBS. It's a lot of hyphens, Ben. <laughs> the all Texas non-FBS team for twenty twenty three is out, uh, and you will see on there. There is there is representation from the Southwestern Junior College Football Conference. There's a guy from Tyler. There's a guy from Trendy Valley. There's a guy. Uh, from Kilgore, I I mean, you have just an amazing level of talent down there,
1: yeah. And uh, we'll see if some of these guys end up on the list. Gotta check it out. Shameless,
0: shameless plug on texasfootball.com, right? Yeah, there
1: there you go. That's what I'm trying to get to.
0: (laughs) Well, I could tell the reason why I say that is because Phoenix was on my list of guys, but dude. Let me tell you something. It's not easy to pick that team.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> of talent. And there's if a lot of a wide teams, rec- too.
0: Yes, there, there's 35 teams. If you're a wide receiver and you don't have at least 1,000 yards, you're probably not getting on the team.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it's even like Noah Smith. Noah Smith didn't even make the top two teams in conference. He there's just a lot of wide receiver talent out there, and you need as much as you can get. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's the
0: thing. Skill, talent, you can find. I, the, I relate it to basketball in that it's hard to find those big guys in basketball, same as it is in football, and it just means different things. Big guys in football are your line of scrimmage. Big guys in basketball are your post players, right? So it's hard to find those. Not everyone is born and grows up to be six, eight to 7 foot tall. You know, and not everyone is born to be 6'4", 6'6", and 320, 330 pounds. So the amount of them are – there's actually a lot less of them typically than there are the people that grow up and can run really fast, it seems like, Ben. So there's just a plethora of skill players.
1: Yeah, and and staying with skill players, I think the second thing that I want to look for this offseason and and kind of hoping for is um, to see our skill guys – return and get healthy. Um, if you imagine a Sam Houston offense next year, obviously quarterbacks kind of up in the air, but running back, you've got Gentry and Herbacek, your top two. You've got Sone and Jewett at tight end. And then at wide receiver, you've got Ife Dei, quavez Humphreys, and Noah Smith and Malik Phillips. I mean, that's, that's an offense right there and there's some pieces. And so um, obviously a lot of injuries got really banged up this last year. So hoping they can all be healthy, ready to go for next year, and we can hold on to those guys.
0: You know, if we had more time for our podcast, we would have made a complete bit out of this last segment and because we would have had Ben's wish list for Cat's Claws, and we would have had a whole big – it could have been recorded, you know, video, (laughs) All we could have made it really good. Well, we don't have that kind of money or facilities or anything like that. What else, Ben, is on your your wish list for Cat's Claws?
1: Yeah, I think the last thing is, uh, yeah, the defensive tackle. That's uh, that's the biggest one. I think that's probably the biggest need outside of tight ends and the biggest need on the defensive side of the ball is there at the nose tackle, defensive tackle position. And what can you add there? Um, had some really good ones with Joe Wallace and Meatball and Chris Scott the past couple of years. And so I think that's probably the last thing on the wish list is – Um, to get probably two interior defensive linemen and then maybe add one more linebacker I think you've got some good top-end talent there but obviously you got to have depth Um, and we've seen that this last year
0: D-line is the most important position for me for that they need to address in the offseason
1: yeah I think the interior of it um, like I said good on the outside but the interior yeah when I say
0: D-line I'm not talking our edge rusher a a lot of times in football too Ben and in if if you've been following football forever, like I have, uh, there's a there's some terminology that is changing across the the landscape. It starts with the NFL. It starts because we have these guys that are freak athletes, like Micah Parsons, who can play linebacker, defensive end, cornerback, safety. Right? They can play everywhere. Uh, it, but there's a lot of those now, right? There's a lot of these guys. There's a whole lot more of them coming. So you're getting instead of defensive ends, those they're they're called edge rushers. And these edge rushers are more a hybrid player that can they can rush the passer and drop into the passes as a linebacker. Just gives a coordinator more things you can do if your defensive lineman can also play linebacker. So edge is the new thing. Defensive line, a lot of times just Really, a lot of times it's interior.
1: Right, yeah. And I think there's two guys I'm looking at that might be able to come in and and contribute. Uh, Richard Outland, one, he was hurt pretty much all of this last season. And then the second one is Matthew Arabasala. That thought he played really well, especially the last couple of weeks. Didn't see a ton of playing time. But I think if you want to fill some from within, those are two names to kind of look at if you're looking on on filling from uh, what you have right now. Okay, that that second one. What, what what's his name? Matthew Arabasala, number ninety six. Number ninety six. Yeah, he ended up with eleven tackles, two tackles for loss, um, and two PB hits this year.
0: From Cedar Hill, I just just the name when I hear Arabasala, it sounds like uh, uh, you know, like something I order at a restaurant sometimes because everything with me relates to food, man.
1: Uh, chicken tiki marsala or something like that hey my wife can make
0: some really good chicken tiki marsala she really does
1: (laughs) as long as you don't as long as you don't say something bad to her like we talked about earlier no you know
0: i gotta give i gotta give my wife credit even when i get up to that line and she's ready to you know just go ahead and send me out to the guillotine she still doesn't like hold it against me like like she goes you better stop but you know she'll still she'll still do things like you know she's not vengeful i should say she she does threaten things of mine though so i think that's that's a little vengeful sometimes the intimidation tactic that is is. very intimidating in this house i live scared
1: to be honest with you Mm -hmm. ben I don't know if it's because of her or something else. but well, I don't know either. We'll see. It shouldn't be
0: because of her, but who knows with me, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> off the rails. What are we? Oh, to it's completely the
0: off the rails. And, and, hey, maybe it's a good thing we won't be back next week. And we want to make sure we tell you it's going to be two weeks. Next week is state championships week. And uh, I will be in Arlington uh, watching DeSoto quarterback and Sam Houston commit, uh, DJ Bailey playing uh, there for the Eagles at the state
1: championships, hopefully,
0: if they win this weekend, which they're favored,
1: I believe. Probably. Are the Eagles favorite over the Cowboys, too? No, that's a different sport. No,
0: hey, no, the Cowboys, I'm probably going to be there on this Sunday night, too, because that's a game that uh, I like going to watch when the Eagles-Cowboys play there. It's very electric inside ATT and when those game
1: teams play. It's the second biggest game with the with an Eagles player this weekend after DJ Bailey. There
0: you go. There you go. There we have it. We ended out on a Sam Houston note. Ben, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And we thank you, the listener and the viewer. Without you, we're not even here cracking these ridiculous and crazy things and going off the rails. Until
1: next time.
0: Ben, take us out.
1: Eat them up, cats, and go Eagles, and go Eagles. Go Eagles.